good morning, everybody. It's uh, my first chance to say Happy New Year to everyone in person. So, Happy New Year. Wish you a blessed and productive year and good health. And uh, remember, we've talked recently about our spiritual growth, what we can do to grow spiritually. So I thought I would remind you this morning and myself that there are things that we might consider doing in the year to come, praying more, spending more time reading the scriptures, dig deeper into the Bible, uh, join in with our small group Bible study on Wednesday nights. We have a good group on Zoom and uh, a lot of fun with that. Another way to increase your spiritual depth is to show hospitality or get together with people outside of church and certainly invite people to come to church. We would love to see our church continue to grow as it has and God's blessed us. And people often come to church only because somebody asks them to come. So is there somebody you know or somebody you work with or somebody in your neighborhood you might be able to invite? So. Think about that as as we get into the year. And for this morning, this is the uh, recognition of the baptism of Jesus this Sunday and the gospel talked about that from St. Mark. It talks about John the Baptist, a great figure of, of our church and the faith. And you have to love John the Baptist, don't you? He looks around at the church leaders who are so confident of themselves. He says, you brood of vipers. So there's a nice uh, pastoral evangelism for you. But uh, they, they needed that probably. And he told them like it was. And so he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And as the gospel says, it's a baptism of repentance. He was sent to preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he was preparing the way of the Messiah to come, preparing the people to be ready to receive the Messiah because they had recognized and repented of their sins. And the whole Jerusalem, Judea community comes out to him, a little hyperbole in the scripture, but you know, that's like saying all of Boston came out for the Patriot Super Bowl parade. Well, not every person comes out, but he's very popular. He's drawing huge crowds, but he says, I'm not the one, it's not me, someone's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes like a household servant to wash the feet. Uh, I've baptized you with water, but this one to come will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it says, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized. Jesus came a long way to be baptized. He was a man on a mission. He came specifically to be baptized, to begin his his ministry, his priesthood, if you will. So it's not just a random thing. You happen to be in the neighborhood. And all of this reflects how purposeful Jesus was in doing this. Uh, And, of course, the traditional preaching on this is to say, and it showed his divinity, as the Father spoke audibly about him, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends. So preachers will often say you've got all three persons of the Trinity engaged in this important and special moment. 
and that's all certainly true. Those are important aspects of it. There, there's another dimension of it, though, that maybe doesn't get as much attention. <clears throat> and I would suggest to you it's, it's really key and critically important. To see it, uh, we get a better picture of it by looking at Matthew's account of this. All the Gospels recite this. If you take a pew Bible and look at page 808, page 808, you can follow a part of Matthew's narrative, which I wanted to read for us and look at, beginning at verse 11. This is John talking in verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized for him, came on purpose. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Why would John say that? It's a baptism of repentance. Did Jesus need to repent for anything? Clearly not. Jesus is the lamb without blemish. Blemish. Jesus is sinless. But does Jesus say, hey, John, you're right, uh, I'll leave? No. He says, Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Well, why did Jesus come to John? to be baptized. He tells us the answer. It's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't go into a long theological discourse with John and say, hey, I'm the, I'm the Messiah, I'm the lamb without blemish, I'm the new Adam who will be obedient to God's commands in every respect. He didn't bother with that. He just said, John, just do it. Don't question me. Just do it. Just baptize me. It's necessary for us to fulfill all righteousness. You remember in another place, Jesus said, I always do what's pleasing to the Father. Why was it necessary for someone to come and be fully obedient? Because someone had to come and undo the disobedience of Adam and through Adam of me and you. Only an obedient, faithful, righteous servant, a lamb without blemish, could suffice to atone for our sins. He had to do everything that God had commanded. And if you read all of the context of these things, it's obvious that this baptism, John the Baptist's baptism, was special. It was sort of a one-time 
thing for the season of preparation for the Messiah to come, calling the Jewish people to repent. And you'll remember what they said. We don't need repentance and baptism. We have Abraham as our father. They were counting on their status, their racial status, their ethnic inheritance as the children descended from Abraham. And that's when John said, you brood of vipers, little do you understand. So Jesus comes and he fulfills all righteousness. And because of that, his life can atone for our sins. We are saved ultimately by good works, if I could put it that way. But they're not our works, they're Jesus' works. And thank God for that, right? Because if it depended on me to be good enough to stand before God, I would be in deep trouble. And I think that's true for all of us. So Paul, in his letter to the Romans, uh, you know, writes about this. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. He says, for it is because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, for all people. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. That's why Jesus had to come to earth as a man. That was the only way to rectify the damage done by humanity's rebellion against God. And we're we're part of that. That's the ugly reality of our human existence. We are part of that rebellion in our natural state. But thanks be to God, we have a remedy for that through Jesus Christ. And his baptism at the beginning of his ministry was the start of that, the start of that obedience to all that God had commanded, including this little special rite of purification that Jesus didn't need, but he did it as a demonstration of obedience and faithfulness. Does that make sense? If you think about that, it's very, very important and a special part of this that we don't want to miss, I think. And so how does that apply to me and you? Again, it applies to us because it's evidence of the confidence we can have in our Savior, in your Savior and mine. This is the God-man, this is the new Adam who's an obedient Adam for our sake. He's the lamb without blemish. He's our Savior. So reflect on that this morning, the wonderful truth that comes out of this narrative of the baptism and be blessed by it, I pray, amen.